Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yo, what's up? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Wednesday, Thursday, Wednesday, December 15th, 2021. I'm on your host, Blessing Adioye Jr. Joining me is twitch.tv slash Andy Cortez. It's not quite the holidays yet, Blessing, but we're getting there. We are oh, getting we're almost there. there. We're almost there. What, three more days left until we get to leave for two weeks? And Andy, what are you doing for your holiday break? I'm going back home again. I will be oh, flying nice. back home on Sunday. I get my booster shot on Saturday. Uh, it's going to be a lovely weekend. Nice, nice. Yeah, I, I don't have plans yet. I wanted to go back. Uh, well, I wanted to visit my sister and her family in Houston, but they ended up having plans to go to a wedding on Christmas. And so I might just be hanging out. And I said, we'll see. I got my booster shot on Monday. Oh. You know, might might feel weird on Tuesday, but let's on Wednesday, let's hang, I might let's rise hang in. Let's since Andy's leaving me for a while. Let's hang out, you know. Dude, Barrett, I'm down to hang out. Yeah. I'm down also, to, to Andy, hang out. Also, Andy, be careful with that, that booster. Alyssa got hers this last weekend, and she was she was out for the weekend, so... Be careful yeah, I mean, and then immediately going to travel, you know, I'm getting it uh, very, very early Saturday morning and I fly out late on Sunday. I gave okay. myself as much mm. time as possible, um, but also nothing, nothing. A couple of push ups can't drive away. Hell you know what yeah. I mean? Hell yeah. That's what I said about COVID yeah. initially. No, we, uh, that's a joke. That's completely a joke. Don't. Don't take that serious, everybody. Yeah. I would love if Blessing was like, yeah, let's hang out, Barrett. And then you came and you just like you use my room to just kind of hang out and sleep in and you never i was thinking about that i was like hey Andy's gonna be gone i can just hang i can just like sleep in in andy's room and like the perfect time to sneak greg in and have uh greg scare andy oh jesus that would be that would be great i'm like i'm playing andy for the two weeks and so i'm like i'm streaming from andy's room and then i go in the backyard and greg's just like there waiting for me and he scares me and i'm like oh my god it's greg and greg's like you're not andy and i'm like oh i'm not a freak what a freak what was the what what did he tweet yesterday he tweeted at you clifford the big red dog what was that about? I, I don't. I'm not. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, I will. I talked about this a bit on stream yesterday. He has been sending me voice memos uh, over the last couple of weeks, saying, "Can Spider Man come out to play?" And he's been sending me a lot of these voice memos on Instagram. And I'm not sure what they're leading up to. But then the other day, um, I got this postcard in the mail. Um, it's a Taylor Swift postcard for audio listeners. Hmm. And she's drawn on the cover. It's it's adorable. Uh, but on the back, and I'll cover up the address, there's a sort of a word bubble where Taylor Swift is saying, can Spider-Man come out and play? <laughs> and I just, I, I'm not sure where we're going with this. I'm really scared to go to the Spider-Man premiere blessing. There's, there's a lot of worries, you know. I, I'm, I, I live every day just sort of on the edge. When I wake up, I sleep with one eye open, blessing, you know. Yeah, I feel like this is one of those things where Greg Miller's just been out of the office for so long and he's a man that's just filled with energy right every by every by every single day that he's stuck at home he's growing stronger every day he's growing stronger and he can't like it's becoming more and more difficult for him to actually contain it barry's pulled up here the actual tweet uh which is greg miller just tweeted at the andy cortez with a picture (laughs) of clifford the big red dog just standing right next to a house uh 
And honestly, I'm scared. I'm I'm scared for Andy. I don't know it, what this means, but it, it was the voice. It was the voice memo before that blessing that really frightened me. Um, usually, he will address these voice memos to me on Twitter. The voice memos I'm talking about are just like private ones through Instagram that he'll send me. But the oh. one on Twitter that he sent out and said, "If you all for a second don't think that I'm gonna go into Andy's backyard and scare him, and I'm gonna hide under a pile of leaves," the thing that scared me the most about it was that he What's didn't tag me in the tweet. It's a very, very nefarious sort of tweet that, like, he's hoping I didn't see or catch wind of. But, um, yeah, I'm aware of it, and I've, you know, uh, measures are being taken. What's up, everybody? It's your boy Greg Miller making breakfast here in the kitchen like I do. And I've seen an uptick recently on a lot of my posts. A lot of people have been going in there and asking, hey, Greg, when, if ever, are you going to go hide in Andy Cortez's backyard under a pile of leaves and then have Barrett asking Andy to go out back and check on something? Then you jump out and you scare the bejesus out of Andy. And the answer is, ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned. <laughs> stay tuned. I think this, the scariest thing about this tweet is that the the caption on the tweet are just three emojis of eggs, bacon, and bread. Of him making <laughs> breakfast, apparently, and I like no no words, right? Like no actually written out caption, just the three emojis, which I think has a very threatening aura. Um, Andy, I'll I'll keep you in my thoughts and prayers. Thank uh, you, it, Let me know if you need somebody to alert the, the authorities. Everybody's already saying like, if Andy goes missing, we already know who to arrest. Yeah, that, that is the, that's the dangerous <laughs> thing about the game Greg's playing. If you actually seriously go missing for any reason, Greg is suspect number one. Like yep. Greg is who we're knocking on the door on and being like, yo, where the what the fuck did you do with Andy? I've well seen you season two. Well. Yeah, well, de- well deserved as well. Andy, enough about all this. Let's talk about Splinter Cell being officially announced, Sifu previews, and more, because this is Kind of Funny Games Daily, each and every week at 10 a.m. live, right here on twitch.tv slash games. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. If you're watching live, you can correct us when we get stuff wrong by going to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. If you don't want to watch live, you can watch later on youtube.com slash games, roosterteeth.com, or you can listen later on podcast services around the globe by searching for kind of funny games daily remember you can use epic creator code kind of funny on all epic store and epic in-game purchases like rocket league and fortnite to help support the channel to be a part of the show to patreon.com slash kind of funny games or bronze members or above get to write in and silver members or above get the show ad free with the exclusive daily post show housekeeping for you as a reminder this is our last week of regular content for the year before we go on break uh friday is our last day in the office and by in the office i mean at our work from home offices i guess uh the last piece of kind of funny content uh on the kind of funny prime channel will be the i believe the spider-man no way home in review review uh and then the last piece of content going on uh going up on the game side will be the blessing show and that's going up on monday the 20th uh, and then we'll be back on january 3rd um for all of our regularly scheduled content uh, but then speaking of Spider-Man No Way Home, uh, our spoiler-free review is up today as a screencast. That is me, Tim, Joey, and Kevin giving all of our thoughts on the movie without giving anything away. You can catch that on YouTube.com slash funny and on podcast services around the globe. Thank you to our Patreon producers, Pranksy, Blackjack, and Greg Miller returns to content next month. Nick should quit now. Today we're about to you by Credit Karma, Amazon Music, Green Chef, and ButcherBox. But we'll tell you about that later for now. Let's begin with what is... And forever will be the Roper Report. It's time for some news. We have five stories today. A Baker's Dozen. Starting with our number one, Ubisoft 
has announced Splinter Cell Remake has begun development over at Ubisoft Toronto. They uh, talked about this in a press release. I'm going to read one bit of the press release. I'm going to throw it to IGN to give us a, 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 a few more of the details that were included in some of the interviews that they included in the press release. So starting off with the press release released on Ubisoft's website. Ubisoft has greenlit the development of a Splinter Cell remake that will draw from the rich canvas of the brand. Led by Ubisoft Toronto, the game will, will be rebuilt from the ground up using Ubisoft's own Snowdrop engine, the same game engine being used to develop Avatar Frontiers of Pandora, as well as Ubisoft's upcoming Star Wars game to deliver new generation visuals and gameplay and the d- dynamic lighting and shadows the series is known for. Uh, that is it for what I'm going to pull from from the press release. The press release was, was a bit of a longer one. It was uh, after this announcement was basically a Q&A between um, the devs uh, on the blog. Um, but, you know, I didn't want to read through all that because I was just going to be too, too long of a read. So I'm pulling from Matt Perslow at IGN, who condensed some of the best or the, the most important tidbits, I'll say, from the interview. Uh, Matt's article reads like this. In an interview posted to the Ubisoft website, producer Matt West said, quote, I think it kind of has to be a remake as opposed to a remaster, although we're still in the very earliest stages of development. What we're trying to do is make sure the spirit of the early games remain intact in all the ways that give uh, that gave early Spinner Cell its identity, end quote. Quote, it's safe to say a lot of us on the team are stealth purists, and we're behind that level of seriousness when it comes to those kinds of mechanics and those sorts of things that we want to see in this game, uh, says Chris Audie, Splinter Cell's new creative director. They continue, and we're very, very aware of what makes classic Splinter Cell what it is, end quote. Quote, it's important for us to uh, preserve the sense of mastery by supporting players who observe the situations, make their plan, use their gadgets, and outsmart the enemy creatively to deal with the challenges they are presented with, he explained. Ideally, they end up coming out on the other side with no one having realized you were even there. That's the essence of Splinter Cell, end quote. Quote, the gameplay experiences, uh, the gameplay experience we are targeting is directly tied to what we want players to feel to capture the essence back when we were all playing the original games, said West. It's unclear if anyone from the original Splinter Cell team is working on this remake, but tentacle producer Peter Hadrinos uh, says that the series veterans are part of the new team. Quote, there are a lot of vets here, so we're going to have a really good mix of people who have worked on previous Splinter Cell games and new team members who are joining and bringing fresh energy and fresh ideas, he said. But it looks like this remake could just be the start of Ubisoft's revised efforts on Splinter Cell. Quote, with this remake, we are building a solid base for the future of Splinter Cell, Audi said. Andy, we've been talking about reports of a new Splinter Cell for the while. Uh, for a while, there's been, there's been reports that it's maybe open world, but the only thing that we've known for sure is that it exists. With the actual confirmation of Splinter Cell actually existing from Ubisoft, being worked on at Ubisoft Toronto, what is your reaction? My reaction is immediately thinking of Tamar Hussein from the best website in the world, mm-hmm. Gamespot.com, saying, "Does NFT stand for No Fisher Title?" Um, I, immediately, my brain goes there. But my brain also goes to what sort of prompted this this stealth drop of an announcement. Mm-hmm. Is it the negativity with the NFTs? It, what exactly is bringing on this this random announcement out of nowhere? Blessing. It's so weird, and this is something that could have gathered a huge pop at some announcement show. This this could have been something that could have been at the Game Awards. It yeah, just this could have highlighted a. Uh, this could have been the the headliner for a Ubisoft forward. This could have been the the Metroid Prime 4 of that one direct where it's like, sure, it's just a title, but it gets people excited. Um, is it for investors? Because lately Ubisoft has been kind of uh, hurting lately with uh, just recent press and recent games releases. 
Um, I, I'm not quite sure what sort of prompted this. I think this is obviously great for Ubisoft in terms of getting back some of the uh, fan base that may have been gone for a while, people that have been clamoring for a new Splinter Cell. But goddamn, I mean, we're, what, four years away from this thing if they're just still in the early stages. It's all just kind of like, I don't love these type of announcements. I'm excited that it's happening for the Splinter Cell fans, but I don't love that this is happening so far out when they don't even have a full grasp on what the game is yet. And I think my least favorite thing is when a game developer says, hey, brand new title coming. You all are going to be super stoked for it. Um, Here's the website to go apply for all the jobs that we have openings for. It's like, oh my gosh, this is this is a long time away, bless. That's what I gather for it. How about you? Uh, Barry, if you're able to bring up the the tweet where they um they announced this, because it is I, I'm right there with you, Andy, that this this announcement felt very like low key uh in terms of what you'd expect from something like Splinter Cell. You know, the the tweet does come uh say, right, third echelon uh standby. A Splinter Cell remake is underway at Ubisoft Toronto. Learn more about the project and how you can join the team. And then the the video is just the like the three green lights from the uh from like the Splinter Cell fucking like which the goggles or whatever um that like appear and then it transitions into join us like come join the the Ubisoft team. I think the thing I, I think the reason why they announce it like this is because it is already leaking all over the place and because it's also so early at the same time. You know, like in the at the top of the press release, they say that Ubisoft has greenlit the development of a Splinter Cell remake, right? They use the word greenlit. Not that they started on, not that, you know, they are in the in the production stage. They have greenlit the the um the production or the development of a Splinter Cell remake, which makes me think that, yeah, like like you said, this is probably like four years away. This might be five years away. And I think for them it might be too early to like announce it in a way that is for audience hype. I think this is more so them being like, well, the cat's pretty much already out the bag. And instead of dragging this out for like two years straight, let's put it out there because that, that is going to help us hire more. And that is going to that is going to make it easier for us to actually talk about this thing in a way that feels open as opposed to all the the secretiveness that's like present in the video games industry. I think there's like a push and pull of. Okay, well, you don't want to announce too early because you don't want to build too much audience hype. But there's, there's also the thing of, well, why can't we talk about this thing that we know we're working on? We know we're doing. You know, not many other industries do this outside the video games industry of like, hey, we were working on this thing for years and years and years, and I just, just can't talk about it. I think being able to talk about it probably makes it easier for them. And I think, I think whenever they do announce it, there will be just as big of a pop because one. It's already a thing that's out there. It's already a thing that's been leaking. Uh, probably a thing that was all, also going to leak even more. Uh, but then, too, I think there's also the out of sight, out of mind thing to it, where I bet the next time we see Splinter Cell, it might be a year or two, two from now. Two years before Beyond Good and Evil 2. Yeah, ex- exactly. And when we finally see it again, I think that is when they drop a big cinematic trailer or maybe a big gameplay trailer. And that is them being like, hey, Splinter Cell is back and it is a remake and it is exactly what you want it to be. Here's what it looks like. And that is the thing that gets fan- get fans hype. And they'll be just as hype in the way that we know Bioshock exists, right? Like Cloud Chamber and 2K have talked about how Bioshock is being worked on. When they announced that Bioshock game, it's going to be off the chain. Like people are going to be super hyped for it. Um, and I think that's the that's the way they're thinking about it. I, I definitely don't disagree with that, with that sentiment, that we will still be excited when we see that that title pop and we see those three lights pop on. The uh, Here's the thing, Blessing. Put me in charge of marketing right now at Ubisoft. Here's what I do. Mm. Um, first off, all the bad people get, go. Yeah. You're not, you're not, <laughs> get you're not here. working here anymore. Bad people. Get the freak out of here, you weirdos. Um, people in charge of marketing can do that? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. In my world, yeah, yeah. Me as the marketing director, uh, CEO. Um, what I would do is like, obviously, you know what the gaming landscape thinks about you and Sam Fisher. You're aware that every year in the past five years, whenever Sam Fisher pops up in bullshit title A, B, C, or D, we always go, God damn it. Sam Fisher, mm-hmm. stop, uh, just appear in your own damn game. Stop appearing in these weird mobile titles. Stop appearing in uh, fucking uh, Ghost Recon. Like, enough of this, you know, this is getting annoying, you know. What I would have done with all of these uh, sort of rumors happening of Splinter Cell, and even though the cat's pretty much out of the bag, I would have, like, made a fake trail that Sam Fisher was appearing in brawlhalla and like and make everybody go and make everybody go oh god this is what they were talking about damn it and then go nope just kidding real sam fisher game coming soon like you gotta honestly put him put him in genshin impact right like the same way they put aloy (laughs) in genshin impact and be like oh yeah sam fisher open world how people go oh god damn this is what we were actually talking about and then just pull a big fake out because like You've got to know, you've got to be self-aware enough of what the industry thinks of you and Splinter Cell and how for the past five years it's been Sam Fisher appearing in every game except the game that he's supposed to be in. So um, I would have just, this could have been a lot more fun and a lot more cool and it's kind of like, ah, this is how you're going to do it? What? (laughs) You could have done any other thing. You could have done any other thing. Have the voice actor like pretend that there's a leaked video or something in him you know, doing the line. I don't know. There's there's a lot of things you could have done here, and it's just kind of disappointing, but still exciting for Splinter Cell fans, the fact that it's actually coming back. Um, what do you think yeah. of what it's going to be now? Because the reports up till now have been that it is going to be an open world, and Ubisoft is announcing it as a Splinter Cell remake, and those two things conflict with each other. Do you think there's still a, a, a Splinter Cell open world game in the works? Do you think this is the open world game? Like, where where are you at with that? I th- I think they can play with the genre a little bit in the same way that, you know, when we talk about what Uncharted did with its sort of open area, not necessarily that it's going to be fully open world. I don't think it would. I don't see really how that would work. Um, I don't. I, I mean, obviously, Metal Gear Solid did it, and that was a pretty damn good game. And yeah. maybe they want to sort of build the basis on that. Maybe they see that, like, hey, that game was really good and popular and people loved that, but, you know, we haven't seen that really come back in a big, meaningful way. Maybe they take from that. Um, I don't really have any affinity for the Splinter Cell franchise, so I don't really know how that translates, Blessing. So, like, what are you thinking with this open world? I I wouldn't be surprised if... I mean, one of the things they mentioned, right, is that, like, this is, I, I got to find the exact quote, but it was, it's, it's right here actually at the end of the article. With this remake, we're building a solid base for the future of Splinter Cell, right? Like them solid. saying, solid, oh shit. Snake I mean, when he's you, coming back. I didn't even notice that. <laughs> when you talk about the future of Splinter Cell, right? Like, of course, that could just be PR speak. That could be base. interview speak. That could be the 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 base. Wait, what's the, what's base the base player? Reference? He's going to play base. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> just looking for hands, dude. No, that's, that's good. That's good. Just like, for straws, yeah. That could just be them being like, oh, yeah, the future of Splinter Cell. You know, like that could be them saying whatever. But that could also be them. Uh, that could also be an implication that like, yeah, we're mer- working on a remake, but we're also thinking about more Splinter Cell projects, right? We're also thinking about what Splinter Cell looks like outside of just the Splinter Cell remake. The Splinter Cell remake might be the like the the gateway drug into getting people into what our new vi- vision for Splinter Cell is. I think it could be that or the re- remake could be an open world, right? It could be a retranslation into what uh of what they they view original Splinter Cell as. Um like I'm 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 like you that I'm not like a super 
like I'm not super deep into the Splinter Cell. We're no like, Roger Bacorny. I'm not a Roger Bacorny. I'm not an Alex Van Aken out there, right? Like, Metal Gear Solid is my stealth game. I played some Splinter Cell Conviction, and I, I thought that game was cool. Um, but you know, a remake doesn't necessarily have to be one for one. But also, if you're using the term remake, it's got to it got it's got to resemble the originals in some way, right? Like it's got to it's got to hold the heart of what made the original games the original games. Because at that point, it's not a remake anymore, right? Like it's that's a reboot. That is a that that is a different thing. Um, and so I wonder, you know, I'm, I I I I kind of have to roll with the the um, the original thought of I think there's going to be multiple Splinter Cell games, but who knows? You know, I think I I think this could be a way to have their cake and eat it too in terms of giving people a remake and then also making their Ubisoft ass open world Splinter Cell game. Someone's got to finish this damn Avatar game. Someone's got to finish this Star Wars game. Blessing. What's going on with it? Well, I know I know core Ubisoft isn't working on Prince of Persia remake, but we're like. What's going on with these games? I mean, what's <laughs> going? I mean, we talked about this earlier. We're like, what's what's going on with X Defiant? What's going on with oh uh, Heartland? What's going on? Where'd Hyperscape go? <laughs> you know, like what's going on with so many of these Ubisoft? Where's where's where the fuck is Roller Champions, Andy? Oh my God! Blessing. You remember what what happened to the um the what's the pirate game called? Skull and Bones, not, bro. Where's Skull and Bones? That game's been announced for twenty years at this point. Dude, I swear, like these, t- it's becoming like what Google does with their apps, where they just try to experiment with a new thing, and they go, "Ah, nah, that's not working out. We'll, we'll get rid of that." Like if you're if you're entrenched in the uh, or entrenched, entrenched, entrenched. I like entrenched as well. If you're just <laughs> like really, if you're fully wet uh, with uh, with Google sort of news and stuff, you'll see that that's how Google sort of treats a lot of their apps that they try out and they say, "Oh, we're gonna make a podcasting, or we're gonna do a." Uh, an app to kind of copy what Apple does, and a lot of them just ultimately, you know, get Fair thrown right. a, a toss aside because they just don't really concentrate on them anymore. Holy shit, we just rattled off like four or five titles that we yeah. don't have any answers for right now. And I'm sure if we thought harder, we could rattle up, rattle off probably five more, right? And I think that's, I think it's a symptom of Ubisoft, like the Ubisoft ship, no pun intended, constantly moving and changing. Where the Ubisoft that announced Beyond Good and Evil 2, and even the Ubisoft that probably announced like Roller Champions has gone through so many shakeups with their editorial team and how like a lot of people were exposed and a lot of people have left and gone and come back and all these things. Um, let alone like business strategies changing. There was that uh, the time where they delayed a bunch of their games because Ghost Recon Breakpoint didn't do well. That was kind of the final straw in terms mm. of we got to get shit together. And so that's when they delayed um, uh, Immortals Phoenix Rising from the straw that broke monsters. the camel's back. The straw that broke the camel's back. Um, the camel that played bass. They mm-hmm. deleted that. They or not deleted. They delayed that and then um, you know delayed ghost recon um not ghost recon rainbow six quarantine at the time now known as extraction and they changed names a lot too like it feels like it feels like just a chaotic time at ubisoft uh and like i hope they get their shit together right like if they're a they're a humongous you know corporation they're a big they're not an indie publisher right like they are huge and to see them kind of struggle for the last three to four years it gives me concern because right now they have announced some big titles they have star wars right they have uh avatar and they have and now they have splinter cell right and they also have other things too like there's the assassin's creed free-to-play assassin's creed infinite thing that's in the works right like they have a bunch bunch of big things on the horizon but this form of ubisoft gives me concern in terms of are they going to be able to knock that stuff out the park i hope they are able to and it's possible that all these things just kind of come and go in waves because I remember when I got hired at Kind of Funny, we were talking about Ubisoft on the upswing and how mm, yeah. Rainbow Six Siege was this game that they dedicated time and love and resources to. 
and it found its footing, it found its audience, and suddenly there was this groundswell of support because they stuck with it and they made it right, where at first it launched in a not-so-great state, and uh, a lot of players weren't super happy with it, but it finally got to where it needed to be, and then we were talking about not only that, but Assassin's Creed kind of breaking that that formula and bringing on uh, every two years as Assassin's Creed as opposed to every other year sort of Madden thing or whatever. And we saw more quality being put into that as well. So I felt like we had that upswing and we're slowly going back down. But hopefully this is the signs of of a new uh, sort of upswing coming up here with uh, Avatar, with Star Wars, yeah, with Splinter Sam Fisher, Splinter Cell coming out. And hopefully management gets in line and hopefully again yeah. you hire me all bad people get the fuck out of here go go you get, yeah, the fuck get out, out of here get, get out of here out. and yeah. i also don't want to be all doom and gloom because like i i feel like i feel like i make it sound like every single ubisoft game is a mess and it's not that's not the case right like far cry 6 people like that assassin's mm-hmm. creed valhalla last year people like that watchdogs legion existed right like these are sure. like it's not all, it's not all doom and gloom out here but you know did you say all this just for that joke <laughs> You did. You, that was <laughs> the only was. reason you did this. Good job, Oh, man. That game came out. Let's keep talking about Ubisoft, though, with story number two. Ubisoft devs don't understand the company's NFT push either. This is Ethan Gatch at Kotaku. Last week, Ubisoft revealed its new NFT tech platform called Quartz, and it didn't go well. The announcement that Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon Breakpoint would be the first game to implement cryptocurrency-backed uh, items was downvoted on YouTube over 40,000 times. <laughs> now, it turns out even, even many devices Developers at the Assassin's Creed publisher have no idea what to make of the publisher's new NFT scheme. According to messages reviewed by Kotaku, a post announcing Quartz on Ubisoft's internal social media hub, Mana, quickly filled up with questions and concerns from developers across the company. Some didn't understand which old problems the new tech actually solved, while others were worried about receiving mandates to start integrating NFTs into their own games. Quote, I still don't really understand the problem being solved here, wrote one employee. Quote, is it really worth the extremely negative publicity this will cause? Another asked. Quote, how can you look at private property, speculation, artificial scarcity, and egoism, and then say, yes, this is good. I want that. Let's put that in art. End quote. Quote, I normally try to, to stay positive on our announcements, but this one is upsetting, wrote a third. Some developers raised environmental concerns. While Quartz is, being, while, while Quartz is based on a cryptocurrency, Tezos, uh, that derives its value from proof-of-stake technology rather than an exponentially more energy-intensive proof-of-work algorithm, there's still a lot of debate over the strengths and weaknesses over this alternate form of crypto generation. Others simply felt like the announcement was just a vehicle for meaningless buzzwords and another unnecessary PR disaster. Quote, 600 hours to earn an NFT, tweeted YouTube game critic SkillUp. Quote, now Crypto Bros will just AFK bot to farm hours uh, so they can collect their shitty helmet. UB er, wins money, or no, UB wins because they can, they can book these metrics as, quote, increased MAUs, aka monthly active users, even though it's all pumped up by this garbage, end quote. And I'll I agree. What I, uh, oh, go, go, for it, go for it. No, go ahead, Les. Well, I'll just say quickly that I agree with Skill. Skill is a reviewer that I, I I love and I watch all his content. Uh, and yeah, I agree with with like the sentiment there of like, God, this is this is going to do more harm than good in terms of how people interact with the product. I, I, think, I think the thing that I'm most happy about with this article and the way that I hope the game industry is going forward um, is that employees are becoming more and more emboldened to speak out on not on the wrongdoings that's happening in their company. Um, especially with obviously with all the stuff happening in Activision Blizzard, I'm not trying to put these on the same pedestal, but I feel like we wouldn't have had employees questioning NFT practices 
six, seven years ago. I feel oh, like all yeah. that stuff would have been quiet. You might get a leak here and there from a from a source that maybe Jason Schreier speaks to, but I, I hope that this is sort of this new frontier where employees are more and more emboldened to say, yeah, this is this is really stupid. We just want to make the game. We want to have a really fun game that players love. Um, and I don't know why we are being so predatory with all this NFT stuff. Um, I, I just that's the main takeaway that I get from this article. I love the sentiment of it. I love I love employees saying, what the hell are we doing with this? We're trying to we're trying to make art. And, you know, obviously a, a ghost recon game is a, a shooty, shooty, blow them up sort of video game. Um, but the idea of them still questioning the practices, I think, is awesome. And I want to see that moving forward with anything else that happens at games studios that might be called into question. And maybe some people were worried to speak out before, but now I feel like they might be um, I feel like they might have the backing of all the rest of their employees in case something does go wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And I think with that, that's a good it's a good reminder of people. Human beings work at these companies, right? Like. Oftentimes we look at companies, we look at publishers, publishers, and we want to dismiss like the entire thing as like a, oh man, like fuck Ubisoft, fuck these guys, like all they want are our money and our NFT, or they want to sell us NFTs and all, all all this bullshit. But seeing people on the inside actually like be like, hey, this sucks. Like as somebody who is making the games, working on the ground level, working on the creative level, either doing writing or doing you know PR or doing like the, the work that is below the people at the very top they're frustrated right and i'm sure they're extra frustrated because they put their their uh like sweat blood and tears into these games right they put like their actual effort like people are actually writing this shit people are actually making this shit people are actually programming this shit i'm sure for them they're like god what the fuck this thing that i spent so hard spent so long working hard on is now being fucking corrupted by these nft practices and now like where before I was designing this helmet or designing this like the this um, cosmetic item because like I know somebody out there is gonna dig the dinosaur pattern that I put on this shit. Now it's like a now they're turning into an NFT, and so only one person in the world is gonna be able to own this version of this item, and that person is gonna probably like get it so they can sell it to somebody else in order to like make a profit or whatever the thing is. I think for so many people that is a bummer, and the people at the at these companies that are working on the on that development level, right? The developers here also see that and suffer from that and get frustrated with that so i think it's a good reminder of that and also yeah like i think it's a good pushback in terms of hey we don't want this shit in our games you know again going back to the the, the skill up quote of uh you know oh yeah it's gonna take 600 hours to earn an F nft or like now crypto bros would just afk bot to farm hours so they can collect their shitty helmet right like that is a i do think that is the the natural progression of this i think that yeah. that that is how this goes right of people like maybe them being able to report their um their uh active users as look how much active users shot up because of you know x y and z thing because of these nfts that we put in here um meanwhile half of those numbers are bots that people developed so that they can like get that stuff so that they can make money uh and scalp and do all that stuff and so it's a bummer but i do love that they're speaking out about it the ben como brings up an interesting point um not something that i necessarily agree with but i think things are changing a bit where he says more and more devs, depending on specialization, can throw a rock and find a job. Not being scared to lose your job because you can have another tomorrow gives you power. And I think that would have been a lot different pre-COVID, where a lot of these studios are... Uh, obviously, some studios are back in office working locally. Um, but there are some people that are still working remotely from home. And I think back in the day, that was not the case because... Um, I, I knew people when I was in game, de game development blessing that would save up money because they knew they were going to get laid off and they would save up for the next move. 
they had a savings mm. account for the next move. Whenever I get, get laid off, I can pick up all my shit and go to Washington to go work over there. Or I could quit everything and go to San Francisco or go to L.A. And there was there were people that prepped like that because that's, that's just how volatile the industry was and how you never really felt super safe in your position. But I do think that with the move to more of a a lot of people are working from home, maybe that does change and give power back to the employees in a way that they didn't really have before. Because if they lose their job, they can find another remote job and not have to worry about having to pick up all their shit and go somewhere else. They can work remotely for another studio. So I think that's one of the positives that has come over this awful time that we've been living in. Uh, and it just sort of changes things in a, in a really interesting way. Andy, people can go to patreon.com slash games where they can get the show ad-free. And speaking of ads, let us tell you about our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Butcher Box. If you ask me, the holidays are all about winning, whether that means getting the best gifts or cooking the best food. And when it comes to serving up the best holiday meals, especially meat, quality matters. Every month, Butcher Box ships a curated selection of high quality meat straight to your home with free shipping in the continental US. There's no antibiotics or added hormones, and each box contains between 8 to 14 pounds of meat, depending on what you choose. I love Butcher Box. Recently, me and G got some of this and oh man the steak was fantastic i just love meat and butcher box makes that love a reality in my household this holiday butcher box is giving new members one pack of bacon for free in every box plus 20 dollars off each box for the first five months of your membership that's free bacon for life and up to a hundred dollars off sign up at butcherbox.com slash kfgd that's butcherbox.com slash kfgd b-u-t-c-h-e-r box.com slash kfgd next up shout out to green chef green chef is america's number one meal kit for eating well with dinners that work for you not the other way around green chef makes cooking easy so you can spend less time planning and prepping and more time eating delicious home-cooked meals plus green chef has options that fit every lifestyle keto paleo vegan vegetarian fast and fit mediterranean and gluten-free giving everybody options from blessing to kevin and his family with paula being a vegetarian uh green chef is now owned by Hell HelloFresh, and between the two of them, there's now something to choose for literally everyone. Both HelloFresh and Green Chef are awesome, so sometimes that choice is a little hard in a good way. Uh, I've been loving Green Chef every once in a while. Gia Cook said it's been a wonder for, for Cool Greg and Blessing, like I was saying. Go to greenchef.com slash KFGD10 and use code KFGD10 to get 10 free meals, including free shipping. That's greenchef.com slash KFGD10 and code KFGD10 to get 10 free meals and free shipping. Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. Next up, shout out to Credit Karma. If you've ever applied for a credit card or personal loan and been rejected, you know how frustrating it is and how dang often it seems to happen. That's why Credit Karma is changing the way people find and apply for cards and loans. Whether you're refinancing credit card debt or paying for an upcoming expense, Credit Karma uses your credit data to show you fresh personal loan offers that are personalized just for you. Members who compare loan offers on Credit Karma save an average of 30% on interest rates. That's a lot. Uh, it's totally free and easy to sign up for a Credit Karma account with no effect on your credit score. Credit Karma will even show you your approval odds so you can choose offers that you're more likely to get approved for and apply with more confidence. On Credit Karma, you can check out multiple loan offers side by side with easy to compare estimated terms. Ready to apply? Head to creditkarma.com slash loan offers to see personalized offers with your approval odds right now. 
Go to creditkarma.com slash loan offers to find the loan for you. That's C-R-E-D-I-T-K-A-R-M-A.com slash loan offers. And finally, shout out to Amazon Music. You clearly have great taste in podcasts because you're listening to this right now, but why not try out Amazon Music? Amazon Music has more than 10 million free podcast episodes to listen to, but it's not just podcasts. They also have thousands of music stations and top playlists to stream for free. You can try out Amazon Music Unlimited that gives you unlimited access to over 75 million songs, plus podcast music videos and more with unlimited skips. I have been getting hype for Spider-Man No Way Home coming out uh, and I've been listening to a lot of the scores of previous Marvel movies uh, from Marvel Studios projects and I've been listening to it all using Amazon Music. Uh, if you've never tried Amazon Music Unlimited, now is a great time for a limited time. New customers can try Amazon Music Unlimited free for three months. No credit card required. Just go to Amazon.com slash KFGD. That's Amazon.com slash KFGD to try Amazon Music Unlimited free for three months. Amazon.com slash KFGD. Renews automatically cancel anytime terms apply story number three andy we got a recap of nintendo indie world that went down this morning uh and the recap is courtesy of yours truly as it was going on all the job and all the notes um before i even get into it andy did you get to tune into the indie world i did not blessing i was definitely asleep and hitting snooze on my phone that's very that's very okay because i'm being honest you didn't miss that much. It was it was it was a cool one, but it wasn't like it was. It's not it's not one of the highlight indie worlds, right? It's not one of the indie worlds where you come out of being like, oh shit, everything dropped today. Oh, there's a bunch of incredible stuff. Silk it was song. very low key. Uh. It was very low. Yeah, Silk Song is here. Neon. I'm surprised Neon White didn't drop. So going through the actual uh, recap real quick, right? It started off with Sea Sea of Stars uh, trailer for that, and if you remember Sea of Stars, that is the game from Sabotage Studio, the developers of The Messenger, uh, and that game is still a turn-based uh, RPG uh, with an explorable world. Looks a lot like a Chrono Trigger or that type of RPG. Um, and they talked about how it's a prequel to The Messenger with some music composed by Yasunori Mitsuda, who is the composer for Chrono Trigger, uh, and. They gave a release window of winter 2022. Game and is absolutely gorgeous. Game is this is gonna be a banger. Like them saying that they have music from uh, Mitsuda is already like off the chain because like the um, the Chrono Trigger soundtrack. Like I'm I'm somebody who's not played a lot of Chrono Trigger. Right, that was a game that I touched a little bit, but I didn't like I I didn't stick all the way through. And I know it's a classic RPG. I know people are probably mad at me for that, but you know I don't have all the time in the world. Yeah, I listen to that soundtrack all the time. That soundtrack is off the chain um like the the secret of the forest i think is what it's called that that track alone is off the chain so having him composing some songs is gonna write super dope. i'm gonna write that down i'm i am pretty excited about this as somebody who generally doesn't ever play turn-based games i love what sabotage did with the messenger that is that was one of my favorite games that year uh not only because of the gameplay and obviously these gameplays are not similar whatsoever uh with one of them being a side scrolling fast paced sort of maneuvering uh game yeah but like one is ninja guide and the other is chrono trigger their writing is incredible like i, I the dialogue in these games i was always laughing i know it's going to be super charming i can tell i'm going to have a really good time with it so it's one that i'm definitely going to try out not be, only because of the art style but the writing for sure and i i just i love that studio Hell yeah. Um, that was followed by Alicia, uh, which looks looks to be like a puzzle solving game where you play as two sisters and it looks a lot like Zelda. Like watching the trailer right now, it looks it has a lot of Breath of the Wild stylings to it in terms of the art style. But then even in, in action, um, the puzzles strike me as very much like Zelda dungeon type puzzles. So that game looks really cool. Yeah, 22 frames per second. Huh? 
Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's the Switch experience. That's exactly how you're supposed mm-hmm. to play those games. Uh, we also got Locomotive. That is a single-player point-and-click comedy adventure coming summer 2022. Um, after that was After Love EP, which is a narrative rhythm game from the creators of Coffee Talk. Uh, it is a modern-day story of music, love, and loss that takes place in Indonesia that is coming out in summer 2022. And this game piqued my interest. From the, at the start of the trailer, I was like, oh, this doesn't seem like my vibe. It looks like a, a Greg Miller type game. God, and then as the Greg's trailer went on, Greg's going to love this shit. But as the trailer went on, they sold me. They sold me all the way, especially with the rhythm stuff. Like it has like a guitar hero uh, kind of mode in there. And yeah, the story seems like, really if, good, too. If there's anything like if these if the parents in the game get divorced or something like that, they, like, uh, oh, my Greg's going to love this shit. They said the premise and it is a very sad premise. It is as the main character, your girlfriend passed away. And Fuck. It, it, yeah, oh. and it, it is him getting over that. And so, like, honestly, I, I am actually looking forward to it. I oh want to try God. this out. I want to check it out because a I journey this game, of the soul. This game is going to make me cry. I can already tell. Uh, and I'm into that. We also got a game right after that was Dungeon Munchies, a uh, 2D action platformer that is out later today, which is cool. Uh, we got Figment 2, Creed Valley. That is an isometric action game with musically menacing bosses. Uh, that's coming out February 2022 with a free demo that's out Ooh, later today. This looks cute as hell. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I like this. Yeah, I like how the, I like how this looks. This looks like um, actually I don't know what I would compare it to. It, like from it has like an isometric view, right? But the art style uh, looks awesome. Like it's almost like a hand painted, colorful uh, kind of art style. And then like in action, it looks oh. like an action game with like probably puzzles and stuff. I love the art style. That's gorgeous. What's it called? Uh, Okami? Okami? No. What's the Okami name? is the one with the wolf. There's another yeah. game in here that's gonna remind you of Okami. Yeah. yeah. Um. After Figment Two, we got. Let's play Oink Games, uh, which gave me Jackbox vibes. It's a collection of different tabletop games that is also out later today, and they said that it's a time exclusive for the Switch. After that was N-Link Extinction is Forever. That is a 2D puzzle platformer. You play as a fox, uh, and it's a, it's a stealth survival adventure, uh, and that's coming out spring 2022. And that was the other that was the game that I mentioned. Like, also gave me Okami vibes, except like it's not a third person um like action game like a first Kami, person right? shooter it is a it is a first person do no it is a it is it, it uh it's like a 2d puzzle platformer like think inside or limbo or something along those lines in terms of um, what the actual gameplay looks like after that was another trailer for all the ollie world that is coming february 8th 2022 with uh and pre-orders began later or pre-orders begin later today uh we also got River City Girls 2. We got a debut trailer for it. Uh, and they say they're adding in more features to, to the River City Girls franchise. Features like online co-op. Uh, and it's coming out summer 2022. God, I got to play part one, man. I, this is one that I missed out on and I regret it. Because I know everybody that played it absolutely loved part one. And I really need to give it a shot. The art style is just, that's like the oh, elite yeah. art style for me. I love that. Yeah, the art style looks awesome. And I'm with you that that's a game that... Uh, I I wish I didn't miss when that when when it came out, Andy. If you want to, when that came when that when two comes out in summer, I'm down to do online co op with you. We could Dude, do we could stream. do we could do a, a playthrough of part one. I mean, what does is one? A I don't one think player? one has online. Oh no way! Yeah, so we'd have to do local. Blessing, come sure. over, come over. I'm down. We can do, or we can do the. I think it's on Luna Couch or, actually. Or, or you know what? Bless. Oh shit! It is. I think it's on Luna. So we could it Luna is. Couch it. Holy shit! Yeah, I, dude, I'm totally down to do a stream of that. Or, Next time, make sure Mike Andy, knows that. When Andy leaves, you just come over, bless, and you, you stay in Andy's room. And Ooh, that's a good point. I can just stay in Andy's room, play on his Xbox. Got a real good PC, bless. You can play a lot of cool games. Next time we do one of those Luna Couch things, we definitely got to do River City Girls. I'm done, Mike. If you're watching this, I need you to write it down, please. And also Amazon, if you're watching this and we don't have any coming up, 
hit us up, you know? Yeah, you know hit up, up Tim Getty. See, see what's up. See what's up with that. Uh, after that was a, a big old reel of a bunch of games. Uh, we got Parkasaurus coming spring 22, or 2022. Uh, Don't Starve Together coming spring 2022. Chicory later today, which oh. that should have been your opener or closer. <laughs> that was They just shoved that in a reel for like two seconds. But Chicory is out on Switch later today, uh, which is really exciting. Baby Storm is coming January 21st. Grime is coming summer 2022. Uh, Gerda. Sharknado, Baby Storm. Oh my God! Can you just babies falling? It's raining head. babies. Yeah, that'd be that'd be terrifying. Honestly, that'd be terrifying. You gotta I gotta take that. care of all of them. Oh no, that's even worse. Uh, Gerda, uh, Flame in Winter is coming twenty spring twenty twenty two with no release window. Timely or Tamelli, I don't know which is coming out later today, and then Behind the Frame uh, is coming out spring twenty twenty two, and then the closer for Nintendo's indie world is a game called Amori from Omocat that's coming spring twenty twenty two, and in, in the stream they talked about how like it, it is a beloved game, people love Amori, it's a game that's been out already, I believe it came out in twenty twenty, and I am shocked that this game somehow bypassed me earlier because this game looks like a it, an Earthbound slash Undertale slash um uh, um what was it called the rpg adventure game that came out last year on switch that was an older game but it looks like one of those and it looks really cool the art style is really dope it's 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 a bit um yeah. andy how would you describe this this art style it's like hand drawn i mean it's very hand drawn it's very sketch look it looks like it's from a sketchbook just sort of line drawings but i think i think the more impressive part of it is not only to see the sort of cutscenes that obviously look very hand drawn and hand animated but the way it's implemented into the actual gameplay and to see it sort of on the screen it kind of reminds me in a way of of the way a game like trickery looked where um it mm. even the environments sort of have that hand-drawn feel where it's all just kind of line drawing on a notepad that somebody's drawing out that looked really neat yeah it looked really neat it was one of those ones where as soon as they said it i wish they said out today because i wanted to play it immediately uh and so yeah that's coming to switch in spring 2022 hopefully by then i have my uh, i have a new oled switch <laughs> Oh man, I'm I miss that. I, I oh my gosh, blessing! Oh my gosh, I was dude, I, I was planning on like just sticking with my OG Switch and being like, okay, well maybe a Switch Pro comes out fall next year. Who knows? But now I'm like, man, I might get another OLED Switch. I'm missing it so much, Andy. Blessing, I put a bang. Oh, that's right, because you're. Oh my god, Wait, I, I lost I, mine. I didn't even realize that's what you were getting to. I just meant that I I forgot that that's what happened. You had tweeted yeah. that out. Um, I'll tell you what, I put out a banger of a TikTok of just me saying like, hey, I hate playing handheld games. I hate leaning on one side and my neck hurts and i switched to the other one i just like alternate between the two so i got this little mount for the side of my bed that like it, i just put it kind of above me and i lay down in bed and i can play switch i have been playing so much loop hero nice. even more than i played on pc when the game launched earlier i think i have close to around 20 hours into it once again loop hero is such yeah. a fucking good game and i knew that i was going to be in trouble when it released on a mobile platform, whether it was going to be cell phone or switch. And it is, it is so goddamn good. And if you don't, if you haven't played loop hero yet, you really should. Cause it is really well designed and it is addicting as hell. Um, I'm having a lot of fun with it now that it's on a handheld platform, even more than I did on PC. Um, I, the controls aren't implemented in the best way possible. It takes some kind of figuring out. Cause I was just used to using the mouse to just click on this puzzle piece to go here. And this it's a game that I would never ever, if you would have told me that I'd be really into a, a deck building kind of auto player game, a zero yeah. player game is what they called it. Like I, I would have said, you're wild. I need a dash and a parry, but I'm just super into loop here. Once again, 
and it definitely deserved being on that best independent games list. Takes me back to the 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 fall of Cookie Clicker, where I couldn't get enough of that. I got I got to go back and check check out Loop Hero again and actually get addicted to it because I started. I didn't get addicted to it when I played it on PC, but I I think it being on Switch would be the thing that would get me. And I'm kind of scared to like do it, but now that we got winter break coming up, I'm like, this might be it. My Sunday morning blessing. I had the iPad next to me with the Cowboys game on and I had Loop Hero in my hands and it was just like the ideal Sunday morning. Cowboys won. Oh my gosh. Congratulations. Thank Andy, you. speaking of banger indie titles, story number four, we got a Sifu preview roundup. Uh, this morning the embargo is up for uh, preview impressions of Sifu. Uh, I'm going to pull from, I'm going to, Pull firstly from Eric Van Allen at Destructoid, who uh, lays out a good synopsis of like what Sifu is, what the setup of Sifu is. Uh, his write-up reads like this. The setup of Sifu is that you are a student hunting the murderers of your family. The path is laid out before you on a board with different photos, clippings, and notes creating a web around your targets. Given the concentrated nature of the demo, I didn't get to see how uh, get to see much of how this affected the greater structure of Sifu, but it did seem like over time, new routes and options would appear as I gained more knowledge on my board. Your student's greatest weapon is persistence, embodied in the mystical pendant that lets them rise from defeat at cost of years of their life. These stack exponentially over time. My first knockdown was a minor setback, a year at most, but as I fell more and more often, the price became higher. With it, my damage would rise, but my health would fall. And I fell a lot at the beginning. Even as time wore on and I began to understand enemy routines and patterns, I could still easily get caught, uh, caught out. Sifu's options are straightforward enough, light and heavy blows with, bo- with both a dodge and a dual function guard slash parry button. Simple on paper, but in practice, it was easy to feel overwhelmed. Uh, now I'm going to pull from Otto Kratke at Digital Trends who wrote this. After playing through a very short preview of the game multiple times, Sifu is starting to look like a dream come true. Fighting is every bit as satisfying as it appears in the game's trailers, but there are added levels of, of complexity underneath for players to discover and work with. Complex combos, attacks that require specific inputs, and a leveling system that constantly evolves uh, all constantly evolves all elevate Sifu far beyond a, a simple beat-em-up and into one of the games I can't wait to play in 2022. While the preview of Sifu didn't go over the game's story, it gave an all-encompassing look at what players can expect from the game's pulse-pounding combat. In the nightclub, which has previously been shown in the game's trailers, the first fight players will get into is with a bouncer. In this tight space, it's easy to knock him against walls or get knocked against one yourself, which will introduce the game's stun meter. Both the players, both the player and opponents can be stunned if, I hit, uh, if hit enough, uh, with enemies taking more damage and becoming vulnerable to throws once they're winded. Uh, and I'm going to stop there, actually, because there's a lot more more to read into. But I encourage you guys to go check out the full previews over on Digital Trends and on Destructoid. Uh, I got to preview Sifu as well. Uh, and, you know, to lay it out, right, like the preview encompasses the first half of the second chapter. They throw you right in. Uh, so I got to play the club uh, like the, these folks are talking about in their preview. And I, I echo everything they're saying so far, right? I think the combat is awesome. It feel, One of the most important things with this game is how it feels to play, how it feels to, to hold in your hand and, and execute the combos and execute the commands. And I think the best thing I can say is that this feels almost close to like playing a fighting game in the combat, which is what I want for a melee-based combat game like this. The animations are so good and they feel so smooth to pull off the um the environments look so good uh it i, I tweeted out this morning that the game reminds me of a mixture between like katana zero from a presentation standpoint mixed with like a fighting force right which is like a third person um uh like 3d action beat-em-up game i've not played a beat-em-up beat-em-up like this and part of that is because beat-em-ups just aren't as 
popular anymore uh, in in games, right? Like beat em ups feel like such a classic genre. This feels like such a good uh, interpretation of what a beat em up game can be in 2022. And you know, just from presentation, from the music, from the like the the lighting, the in the club you get a lot of good moments for. Oh, here's a neon sign that's up here. Here's like the cool like club lighting. Bear's showing the video right now, right? Even in the background, you see purple lighting in the background and all this stuff that really lends a lot to the actual visuals of the game let alone the art style like on the character like, for the characters in the world itself that looks incredible and all the setup for what the game looks like i think it, it is a phenomenally presented game and the gameplay backs it up uh in a way that makes me really excited to actually play this game uh, when it comes out it, it's pure style it's pure style mixed with awesome gameplay apparently and that's super exciting to me the uh, now you talk about how the combat sort of felt what did you feel like it was as deep as some of the other people were mentioning or is it more sort of surface level here's a basic attack here's a basic parry like does it seem like there's a a wealth of animations to sort of supplement the amount of like enemies around you because just based on what we just saw the amount of times that i saw the character like kick up a bat from the floor and do something really cool with the Mm -hmm. sort of item around them it felt like this game is a lot more dynamic than I initially assumed it was going to be. It it is it is dynamic. I think the 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 thing that surprised me was not not just like how many combat animations there seemed to be uh, and how well all of it flowed together. The amount of animations that were enemies or my character reacting to how they're getting hit right where i would in a closed space i would kick somebody uh and like they would hit a wall in a way where i was like oh damn like that felt visceral like that felt very reactive to like to to what i'm doing there are times where i would get slapped to death because you die a lot in this game because they make it very easy to die because that's part of the the flow of it is you die and you age up and so like the first time i die I, you start off well i started off in this previous 20 years old i died once and, and, and i um, became 21 and then i died the next time and i became 23 and then i died the next time and i became like 26 or whatever uh there's like a rapid aging mechanic every single time you die um but uh man, i forgot where my train was thought was going but uh, there will be times where i would get slapped to death or whatever and like i would get slapped and i'd be like god damn like that felt like that felt real like that felt intense <laughs> in the way that it happened like i just got fucking destroyed um but there are other times where i would do the thing where i'll kick up a bat from the floor into my hand and then have like three people in front of me one's a smaller dude and then there's there's two other big dudes here that i had to figure out how to manage and the way that you can kind of flow back and forth from me like hitting that one guy with the bat and then seeing a bottle on the floor and then kicking the bottle at one of the bigger guys to kind of like try and manage the space it all felt really natural and really um like really cool in the animation and in terms of like the the options for combat right like it there is a a um like a skill set, like a control scheme when you pull up the 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 menu. And they do give you a list of like a Mortal Kombat fighting game style list of like here are your combos. You know, you can do your light, light, light combo or your heavy, heavy, light, heavy combo. And uh you can unlock more as you go. And so one of the commands that I had was like an up down, uh up down heavy, I believe. And what that was was a sweep move that was really useful for like getting folks on the ground and again managing space. Uh and that would work on the smaller enemies. That wouldn't work on the bigger enemies because like you can't just easily sweep them. Um but stuff like that felt significant in terms of how I'd play, how I'd think about um while I was playing. And like I can't give you like a full in-depth like this is what the scope looks like because it was it was a very short demo. But uh, even uh-huh. in that short time I felt um in that short time, I was already having fun, and I felt like I could kind of see where a lot of the depth was coming from. My big question is what the upgrade, uh, like upgrade trees, skill trees, 
all that stuff on a long-term level how that stuff is going to come into play because i couldn't get a good grasp of any of it in my short time because it seemed like it was geared toward um like slowly leveling up your character over the course of the game and with a 20 minute preview i don't have the i don't have the opportunity to really feel that out but everything else felt great everything else looked great and again like this game seems like it's going to be super dope i was about to mention um i meant i'd seen that jeff grubb was streaming it as soon as we went live but he kind of immediately went off and i was like oh did he break embargo was he not supposed to stream that but uh no he played it for about an hour so jeff grubb that ha- jeff grubb has that up on his twitch channel as well i'm excited oh, to yeah. see this man i'm excited to get to get into it and hopefully this demo releases to a lot more people soon because i just want to see what it's like and get a feel for how maybe bosses will change and kind of it's that downloading of the the boss's moves that really excites mm. me and kind of figuring out exactly what their strategies are. Yeah, and one more thing on it too is I was surprised when in that in the club level there was a door I got to and it was like this door is locked, you'll need a code to get through. And I was like, "Huh." So there's a lot more exploration here than I would have expected. And like the whole level is for the most part fairly linear. You know, it's not like an open like, you know, explorable kind of thing, but I got I got the the sense that Oh, if I look around enough, I might find a code and that door might pick, take me on a different path or I might be able to find XP or some kind of like thing that's going to help me in the future, which was a thing I wasn't expecting. Right. The fact that like, oh, yeah, I can come back like I can come back to this level another time and like figure out what this looks like. Um, and yeah, like I hope they release the de- demo also, because I think it is I, people getting to like actually feel what this thing plays like is going to do a lot for selling people on the game. I think it already looks cool. People already sold from a how it looks level, but playing it, I think was a different thing for me that made me actually a lot more excited for it. And so I can't wait to to see more about that and see how more people react to it as it comes out in February. But for now, Andy, let's wrap up the Roper Report with story number five. Sony wants to repair its relationship with its indie partners. This is Rebecca Valentine at IGN. Back in July, a number of indie publishers publicly called out Sony for its apparent ongoing dismissal of the immense challenges facing small developers trying to publish games on PlayStation. While publicly, Sony offered no official comment on these complaints uh, at the time, it appears that the company was quietly listening after all, and has recently begun to take some action. Looking back at our conversations with these publishers at the time, a number of key issues were brought to light. Sony, indie publishers, and developers said, had overly complex tools and forms, unclear processes, and poor communication with its indie partners when it came to getting answers, guidance, or issues resolved. They also expressed that while discoverability was an industry-wide issue, Sony was at, at best indifferent or, at worst, actively adversarial to these struggles, making PlayStation a very challenging platform for indie game sales. What's more, it sounds like the vocal indies who spoke up in July were not alone in feeling this way. IGN has has obtained a copy of a document entitled, quote, 2021 Global Partner Survey Results, which was sent out to a number of Sony's partner publishers and developers as a follow-up to a survey that was conducted sometime prior. The findings uh, document is short, only three pages long, and does not specifically mention the public complaints from this past summer. But it does identify three target areas for continued improvement based on the results of the survey, all of which directly correspond to issues that the indie publishers brought up on social media and in articles. First, there's reducing complexity. 
with so- with Sony pledging, among other things, to improve communication channels, clarify who publishers should be taking concerns to, and make sure it's giving enough detail about its operations to its partners so they can make decisions. Second, Sony promised to give all its active publishing and developing partners access to better game sales, engagement, and promotion and analytics, uh, as well as improved discoverability. And finally, Sony says it'll modernize its tool set and improve its ticketing systems, documentation, and and customer service efforts for partner issues. Quote, they were obviously very crushed at the news, and it was clear that the account managers at Sony had been working hard for a long time to push through a lot of the ideas the indie developers flagged in our initial discussions, Akipara game CEO David Logan says after being reached out to by PlayStation. He continues, quote, after the articles that seemed to give a huge boost to initiatives they had already been planning because rapidly after Sony started rolling out a bunch of big changes, end quote. Good news, Andy. Great news. I don't have a whole lot here other than, yeah, make it easier for devs to do this because they have enough of a difficult time trying to finish the damn game they're working on. And a lot of these devs don't have the resources to hire uh, people to do all of this sort of logistical work that goes into like, applying for certification, which is like a whole process unto its own. And that comes with a lot of problems. And when you're having to deal with that, as well as trying to finish the game, I just feel like it it puts roadblocks in between creatives and trying to get their games done that it doesn't need to be there. It all just sort of feels like kind of like red tape bullshit. So I'm glad they are trying to make it easier and they notice that the problems are there. So good for that. Yeah, this is this is great news all around. Bless. Yeah, I, I absolutely love this new story because I think this has been one of my biggest complaints with PlayStation of the last year, where when that original news story came out months and months ago, it was the fact that, man, there are so many game, so many dope ass indie games that you don't see come to PlayStation purely because it's difficult to work with PlayStation, and I think that is a bummer for me as a as an audience member who's like, you know, I want to be, I want to play, I want to play my games on PlayStation because that's the ecosystem that I have the most comfortability with, right? And so like when a Katana Zero or a Hades or whatever big indie game comes out and it's not day and date on PlayStation, I'm like, ah, damn, is it that way because they have a deal with Epic or they have a deal with Nintendo or is it the fact that they just couldn't get they they didn't want to put in the effort to put it on PlayStation because PlayStation makes it so difficult. I think breaking down those barriers is going to be great for the developers, also going to be great for the audience, and also going to be great for PlayStation as somebody who is going to be making money off of the sales of those games anyway, right? And like I know a lot of the sentiment as well is like, you know, why would PlayStation support indies when like that's not the big money maker for them? I think part of it isn't always money. I think part of it can also be laziness sometimes. It can also be the fact that oh man, we we could pay attention to this thing, but like we, we have all of our attention toward the next God of War or toward like the PlayStation blog or toward managing the things that we have the 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 bandwidth to, to, to pay attention to. I think it being called out those months ago was a good indicator for PlayStation to go, oh, fuck, we fucked up. We got to make things right. We got to do this better. Uh, and I think I, I that's why I'm that's why I'm, I, I'm very happy and proud of like reporting like this. Right. People being able to speak out and say, hey, like this is fucked up on the PlayStation side of things. And reporters going, oh, yeah, let's talk about this, because I think that's how you get this happening. Right. That's how this gets fixed is by us talking about it and bringing light to it. And so change that culture, change that culture. Andy, I'm excited to see in what more ways the culture changes at PlayStation and other publishers. But that future is so far away and maybe close in some cases but if i want to know what's coming out to mom drop shops today andy where would i look the official list of upcoming software across each and every platform as listed by the kind of funny games daily show hosts each and every weekday that's a real jingle 
Out today, we got Eterna Noctis for PS5, PS4, Holy Xbox Series X, Xbox One, and PC. That is a name. That's fucking badass. That sounds like a Final Fantasy spell. We got Record of Lados War Deedlit in Wondered Labyrinth for Xbox One. Oh, fuck up. We got Clit the Snail for Did PC. Did you fall on your keyboard while fucking writing that out? Yeah, that seems like an error. Like, <laughs> that feels like I accidentally copied something twice. Uh, we got Bridge Constructor The Walking Dead for PS5. The Letter, a horror visual novel for Switch. We got D-Land or Dayland Pocket Planet for PC. And then GTA Online, the contract is out now. The all-new story featuring Franklin Clinton and friends. Uh, Franklin Clinton is one name. That's not multiple people if you're wondering who the fuck clinton is from gta 5 <laughs> uh, exclusive new music from dr dre and others uh, radio station overhauls and much more which i'm excited to hop into i'm gonna play that later today we also got an nvidia geforce update for you remember that we've partnered with nvidia to keep you updated on all the latest uh geforce rtx additions to your favorite games and today we want to tell you about a special pc it is a matrix custom pc to celebrate oh. the launch of the matrix resurrections in u.s theaters and hbo max on december 22nd nvidia has partnered with warner brothers uh, pictures to bring geforce gamers a chance to win one of three custom officially licensed matrix themed modded pcs these builds are one of a kind and built with the latest geforce rtx graphics cards and fully water cooler water cooled and customized second prize is one of five extremely rare custom matrix resurrections gpu backplates that can attached to a geforce 3080 ti graphics card or displayed as a super limited edition decorative item uh and the, the sweep the sweepstakes run from december 14th to december 22 uh on nvidia's social channels more details in a bio on the pc builders that created these custom pcs can be found on geforce.com we have one new date for you. Mushroom Wars 2 returns to the front lines for Xbox and PlayStation on January 13th. Andy, it's time for kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong, where you write in and let us know what we got wrong as we got it wrong so we can correct it for those watching later on youtube.com slash games and on podcast services around the globe. And it looks like uh, Nanobology writes in to say, Sam's three-eyed goggles are night vision goggles. I appreciate that. I don't know if that's you're wrong because I said goggles at the end, but Maybe I forgot to. Maybe I neglected to mention that they're night vision. Yeah, I just figured we assumed then. Yeah, the, it's, it's so he can the see sound in, the, in the dark. You know that little high yeah. nail sound yeah. Canonically, he's afraid of the dark. They sound like Iron Man's repulsors. You know, do you do that sound really well? So, uh, someone please like, edit surprisingly those, well. uh, the sound effects that Andy just made into an Iron Man uh, video, please. I think somebody already did. Mario, I've, I've uh, seen that video. But yeah, this, Mario Piaquadio uh, edited my laugh into it because it was a wheeze laugh. Oh, and, like, at one point yeah. I laughed so hard. It was like, <laughs> and I did that at one point and then he edited it into it. So that's happened before. After this, or not after this, uh, tomorrow for K- KFGD, your hosts are Tam and Tim for Tim Tam Thursday. If you're watching this live on Twitch, after this is the finale of, of our Metal Gear Solid 4 playthrough with Barrett, Mike, me i think kevin and tam oh, uh, strap in dude strap in get hype for that Woo! if you want to catch that stream later you can subscribe to youtube.com slash kind of funny plays remember this has been kind of funny games daily each and every weekday live right here on twitch.tv slash kind of funny games we run you through the nerdy news you need to know about we have a patreon post show for those that are subbed at the silver level of patreon.com slash kind of funny games so stick around for that otherwise until next time game daily <laughs>